Welcome to Get Your Rocks Off with Mick Wall, the world's leading rock and metal writer. Each fortnight, Mick will unpack rock and roll stories, stories that you probably won't find in print. So pour yourself a Jack and Coke and get ready to get your rocks off. Check me now. Check me now. I'm turned on. Ooh, he's turned he's on. T- he's turned on. Did you hear about Stephanie Seymour? Yeah, son died. Yeah, of a drug, a- accidental drugs overdose. Yeah. You kind of don't always need the word accidental because they're all pretty much accidental. If they weren't accidental, you'd say he, he committed, committed suicide. suicide. Yeah, that's true. You? Yeah, yeah. Right, keep talking. Okay, well, yeah, it's very... Do what you, you meant. Knew, you do something about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, John, I, I this isn't for public consumption, obviously, but I really wish... You know, you hadn't fucked up the end of the grunge episode. It's, it... you, you mean when the plug was pulled? <laughs> Just when we were getting to the good bit. Yes, uh, but the thing is, I don't think anybody noticed, really. <laughs> but those end... Just abruptly. Well, no, it did make a kind of sound. It made a sound. Did it? I, yeah. I actually didn't get that far. What happened? Well, there was a kind of electronic pulse, you might call it. Really? Yeah, that sounded like phone call or something and then Ooh, it just cut out which reminds me phone's off my friend well i need the phone on because i was going to read out the tweets oh okay oh yeah right hang on let me turn mine off then because mine was the culprit what happened fight fans is that we use a laptop my own state-of-the-art circa 2019 laptop and um it hooks to my phone if i've got wi-fi on the phone and i got a phone call and trying not to, to disrupt us, I didn't make a deal of it. I just tried to stop it. You know, when you hang up, yeah, you know, you tell yeah. them to fuck, you know, you stop. And I think whatever I did, because Damien, it was Damien, my accountant, who was <laughs> yeah, ringing. He was ringing. He, he would, yeah, and your Christ, former for Christ's accountant. sake, pick up. That's what he was saying. <laughs> They're coming, <laughs> run! They're coming now. Now. It's like that bit in Breaking Bad. They're coming now. And uh, because he said to me a couple of days later, he goes, um, he goes, I'm, I'm ever so sorry. I hope I didn't. Uh, he goes, somehow I, I, I seem to end up on your podcast with John. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I rang you. And the next thing I could hear yeah. you guys talking. See, human error, as we've explained before. Human, human error. error. from Damien, the accountant. Yeah. So in fairness, it was Damien's It fault. was Damien's. Well, we've identified that one. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but do you know what? It was a shame because, uh, like, someone else tweeted and said... Um, they uh, said, oh, I can tell you what they said. Paul oh, yeah, T, he said, uh, get your pod just ended abruptly when a phone rang. Was it Axel's lawyer's call? <laughs> I think it was probably Eddie Vedder's lawyer's call, <laughs> judging by what came next. Well, this is sometimes, it. sometimes God just says you shouldn't hear that bit. Well, he, Eddie is the son of God, yeah, that's as right. we know. The grunge god, yeah, the miserable grunge yeah. god who's responsible for all the ills <laughs> yeah. in the world. But um, uh, and then someone else said you didn't mention Alice in Chains, and of course we did do a whole bit on them, didn't we? That's right. Oh, we did. One and of the got, best bits we've ever done. Such so a shame. Such a shame that Damien rang. <laughs> yeah, you see, if Damien yeah. hadn't rung, yeah, you know. All would have been well. But and I tell- is Damien the same person that negotiates the terms of this podcast? <laughs> so uh, well, we won't go there. But um, uh, but what I was going to say was someone else, yeah, Alice in Chains, and it made me realise, because uh, I always forget what we've said almost as we're saying it, you know. Uh, it reminded me that um, there was a great ending to that episode. We usually have fairly dribbly kind of endings, but that was a really anthemic ending. Just a shame it, they missed it. it was, yeah, I mean, they'll just never know what it was. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what it was, because it was really good, was <laughs> we were pointing out that, that the grunge... It's never going to be that good now. No, no, but I, I just think it's it's worth mentioning that um, what we were saying was was that Eddie Vedder was always so jealous of, of, of the tragic grunge stars <laughs> and that if he hadn't been so derided by Kurt Cobain really early on... 
Pearl Jam might have had a whole different outlook. There'd be none of this ticket. They, they might have been the they might have been the Foo Fighters. Exactly. Yeah, just like they just turn up. Fun. Them, yeah, fun at your local Wembley Stadium. Come down and have a good time. You'd, you'd be going, hey, here's yeah. Eddie. He's yeah. great. Listen to the hits, all the hits he's got that we like singing along to. And that big smile yeah. and beard. And he's a real nice guy. And his mum's backstage and everything. Oh, yeah. it's great. But instead, it's oh fucking oh, hell. God, God, it's Eddie comes again. Eddie Vedder. Fuck's sake. And, and I did uh, recall the story told by a certain photographer friend <laughs> of ours oh yes of uh, Eddie um, as you remember in the in the days after his the great success of 10 which affected him so badly yeah so, you know, it's the worst all, thing that ever happened yeah, to he had all this money and fame and it oh, was horrible. horrible it was just horrible yeah. people avoid being, that people can. being nice to him and treating him well he and giving him millions give, of dollars he didn't like where's it. that at he didn't like it so what he did was he wore the same t-shirt every day for <laughs> years on end it was a little sort of brown t-shirt well, it so started was, actually no it started out as a white it was a white t-shirt but it t-shirt. came brown over the, and every photo session Eddie Vedder was in the brown t-shirt so he went to do a photo session with a the uh, photographer uh, chum of ours yes who's wide, an associate <laughs> an associate who's widely known for his great love of rock star foibles. And a, a, a great humanitarian, as <laughs> I think. Own right, um, in his own right. Yes. And it obviously was rejoicing in Eddie's success. <laughs> he was delighted by how well he'd done and how easy it was to get access to him these days. Absolutely. Yeah. And so Eddie turned up at the studio and it transpired that Eddie, in fact, it wasn't just the one T-shirt. He had at least, well, this was the story, he had at least 24 of exactly the same T-shirt. Really? I didn't know that. Which was a designer T-shirt, which he would just put on and it would look like. But it was, oh, I've got the same T-shirt on because I'm Eddie Vedder. But it wasn't the same T-shirt. No. That's the truth of grunge, people. But you see, karma, instant karma, well, not so instant, but fairly quick karma, bit him in the ass. Yeah, of course it did. Because... He couldn't be Kurt, and it really fucked him up. Yeah. He couldn't even be Chris Cornell, it fucked him up. But at the end of the day, the final irony is that Scott Weiland, dead. dead yeah. Kurt Cobain, dead. dead. Chris Cornell, dead. dead. Sadly, yeah. Lane Staley, long dead. Dead. Eddie Vedder, I'm oh. still alive. Oh, I'm still alive. Oh. <laughs> Well done, Eddie. Good work. So that's what you missed. Oh, yeah, us discussing Eddie Vedder. Yeah, yeah there was, well, there's probably about another 25 Do you know the last, time, last, yeah, well, the last time I heard of Eddie Vedder, I remember this on the way home, was sent an album called, it was called something like Ukulele Songs. <laughs> and it was Eddie Vedder. The long-awaited. The long-awaited. Eddie Vedder by a river, you know, with his <laughs> ukulele. <laughs> sing... I don't know. Ooh, I'm what, sad. When I'm cleaning windows. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about that today. Every day I go to Seattle <laughs> yeah. carrying yeah. my ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> I see Courtney Love, I say, when I'm cleaning windows. In fact, no, it, it's a little Ukula- known fact Eddie's that Eddie... Ukulele songs. Eddie, as George Formby... Uh, was the first to spot Kurt's body as he was cleaning, yeah, cleaning his windows. <laughs> that so should have happened. Uh, well, it e, did. E, is that police? <laughs> you never believe what I've just seen. As I was cleaning <laughs> windows. <laughs> Wait, it's original well, name. Someone write this down. It's good. Um, what's little known about George Foreman, actually, is George that Formby. He was... George Foreman. Oh, Foreman. Well, I say Foreman. Foreman. Foreman's George. the boxer. Oh, well, that's, I meant, that's yeah, what I meant. You went, okay, <laughs> on. on to George Foreman. Well, George Foreman was the great, great, great uncle of uh, George um, Formby. Yeah. And in fact, George Formby, he was, well, George wasn't his real name. He was, uh, he was christened Grunge Formby <laughs> because his parents yeah. were illiterate. They didn't have to write George. George, yeah, wrote Grunge by mistake. So for the first 25 years of his life, he was known as Grunge Formby, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So there you go. It all you comes learn together. It's seamless. It, seamless. <laughs> right. So, uh, right. Today's topic 
Oh, actually, before we get on to today's topic, do we have a few... Um, yeah, I've Corrections got, I, and clarifications. Co- yes. Well, there was the one about what happened at the end of that episode. It was a big question. There was, we also, we did see, I don't know if I've got that one to hand, but we did see, or I did see, some of the famous Kiss New Year show. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Or I watched the whole thing on YouTube, which was one song. <laughs> I think they only put one song on YouTube, which was, I what? was made for, for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. Bang! That's my tongue <laughs> out there. Yeah, this is tongue out and then the, with the million dollars of pyro, and someone sent me the most brilliant tweet, which said, uh, "I was watching it online. When you watched it live, the the amount of people that were watching rolls up as a number at the side of the screen, which I have seen. You know, oh, it, right. it always says like you know X amount of people are currently watching. And and this this guy who tweeted, thank you for it. He said, um, he said at the at the the highest point." There were, I think he said, 400,000 people watching. I thought you were going to say 400. No, no, it was on more than 400. Maybe it wasn't 400,000. But he, no, no, no. What he calculated, I've got it. I've got it completely wrong. What he calculated Surely was not. the maximum amount of money the number the people watching could have generated from the price of paper was $400,000. That's what it said. Something like that. I could have yeah. got that slightly wrong. But anyway, the cost yeah. of the pyro was a million dollars. Yeah, but you see, what you're not factoring in okay, is the amount of money they would have made from... T-shirts. Not not (laughs) T-shirts. Have you heard of Kiss? I mean, there isn't a a product in the world that doesn't have a tongue sticking out. There was no one at the gig. There was no one there. There's COVID. There's no one at the gig except for Kiss. What? Yeah. No. You might have heard about it. No, God bless you. No, no, there there will have been commemorative stuff. The people at the, the, the... the gig, there was Kiss, and there was a massive hotel next to them. And fireworks, that was what was happening. That was what I saw on a, I Was Made For Loving You. And the vocals were fantastic. I've got three I'm, words for you. I'm not sure the vocals were recorded on the day, but they... <laughs> i got three words for you. Don't diss Kiss. I'm not dissing them. It looked, I mean, I'm not, it looked amazing. It really did look great. You saying about I was made for loving you under the corrections and whatever clarifications. Clarific- clarifications. Um, apparently, I'm pretty sure it was you uh, <laughs> when we met, when we did the kiss episode and we talked about I was made for loving you. There was some suggestion, I think it was from you, that um, they had already taken the makeup off when they made that record. No, that's that can't be right. It was when they were with Casablanca, wasn't it? Well, what I'm saying is it, it wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> they they had kept they still had the makeup on at that yeah, point, yeah. but one of us allegedly suggested they, oh, in a we, loose, I can't, uh, I don't free know. form kind of. Well, manner. we we are very happy to correct that. We are, we are, we are. In fact, we're both sitting here right now in our kiss makeup. Which one are you, John? It's hard to tell. <laughs> well, I, I'm Vinnie Vincent. Which one was he? Vinnie Vincent was the Ankh. The you know, what? The ankh. You know the ancient Egyptian symbol, the ankh. It's like an inverted cross, but it has a kind of... A, 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 You're making a, this up I'm now, not, are you? You're just I, making this up. Google, A-N, I think it's A-N-K, A-N-H-K, ankh. Not W-A-N-K. No, <laughs> so he had, he, had, he had an anchor tattooed on his arm <laughs> with a W over it that, that Gene did while he was asleep. Well, if you're going to be Vinnie Vincent, I think it's only fair to say, only fair to describe my own costume today as vintage Ace Freely. Yeah, the Space Ace. The Space Ace. The Space Ace who slept on his face. In any place there was a floor. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Ace was in Dubai. I'm not sure. Is he in Kiss at the moment? I only looked at Gene and Paul. No, he's not in Kiss. I don't you know. know. Oh, come on, they did, they did reform with them all together or something. No, no, no. They got a much better kicked guitar. out again. The thing about Ace was he's amazing, but he's oh, not no, it was a good Bruce Kulik player. again. It was still Bruce Kulik, I think. No, is it not? For the love of God, it's definitely not Bruce Kulik. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that one open. Let's for leave the kids it. If you to... want to, if you want to, to tweet in, 
please do and tell us who the current guitar is. <laughs> I can't believe you <laughs> don't know. Well, You're just you, kidding. Maybe you could put in a call to their management and ask them. Well, I don't think I need to, John, because yeah. I, I know who's in Kiss. Yeah, okay. I, 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 you know, who's the everybody, drummer at the moment? Everybody knows who the drummer is, but look, we can't spend all day. Who, going, were, the pe- who were the other people singing that I heard on the tape? No, you see, we can't spend all day on the past. No. Actually, we are going to spend all day on the past, but in a different area of the past, okay? So, to today's subject matter, which is, I don't know what... I haven't got a catchy title. No. What is today's subject? Well, we, you came up with a really good idea of talking about I bands. Did. I did, yeah. Who replaced their singers. Yes, yes. So it, it's bands that have replaced their singers, which sound... Boring. This, this, it sounds boring, but the starting point was us laughing about the people who've been in Black Sabbath. <laughs> Post Ronnie James Dio. Now, here's a competition for you kids. In all Because there's only kids that listen to this. Yeah, you know, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. Very big with yeah. kids, yeah. you know. Um, can you name all the singers ever? Ever. <laughs> I don't think... I'll give you... I'll, I'll, get, I'll, give I'll, you, I'll, I'll tell you someone who probably can't. Tony Iommi. <laughs> well, Tony's the only one who's ever been in the thing... The whole time. All the way through. Yeah. But there was a very long period where he appeared to be more like a man clutching a life raft yeah. than actually... I'm yeah. the original member. So, so we're going to kick this off by trying to go through every Black Sabbath singer. I'll start you off yeah. uh, with well, an easy one. Well, oh, Who was the first yeah, singer? Well, so obviously, we know Ozzy, who I saw on the telly. I think he had a programme on BBC Two the other night, re- recapping his career. Indeed. Him, indeed. And who was the second singer? Well, the second singer, now this was, I'd forgotten his name, but you put me straight on this. He was in Savoy Brown. He was. And he kind of, I think Ozzy, had, it was probably around Never Say Die when Ozzy did end up leaving. He was briefly kicked out and then came back in. I think it was actually a bit earlier Maybe than Maybe, okay, yeah. I think it was around the sabotage, that sort of okay. era. Okay, yeah. Because they had just, after Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, they, had, they hit this moment where they uh, discovered inadvertently that their existing management had somehow... Yeah. Human error. <laughs> while they were, while they were, had by their own admission, rented a house in LA to record an album, which essentially, it was essentially just involved taking cocaine. Yes. For twenty-four hours a day. To the but point for where, several to the days point where on Vol, To the point where on Vol Four, which is the greatest cocaine album of all time, <laughs> on Vol Four it says, "Thanks to the great Coca-Cola Company of Los Angeles." And is that the album with Snowblind? That is the album with Snowblind. <laughs> Funnily enough, which yeah. later became the title of a book about cocaine smuggling and a film about cocaine yeah. smuggling. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't remember that geezer's name. Savoy Brand, Dave something. Yeah, Dave Walker. Dave Walker was it? Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Maybe, yeah. Well, maybe it's right. But he was he was tremendous singer. He was a good singer, tremendous actually. Tremendous singer. Uh, but he didn't last long. He didn't. Well, he, he didn't. He didn't do any. It's like when Tony Amy joined Jethro Tull. He just. He was in it, but he never did anything, and then he went back. So are we saying that perhaps Ian Anderson was the second singer? No, I don't think we're saying that. I think Tony very much joined Ian, rather than Ian joining Tony. He did. That's a story for another day. Yeah. But, okay, so there's Dave Walker, then Ozzy's back. Dave Dave Walker didn't record. Did he? I don't know if he did any shows. I I think think he was just rehearsing. uh, Yeah, I think they rehearsed, and they might, might have done a photo shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that, but that, that was figure. as far as it went. To make the announcement. Make the announcement, yeah. Our new singer. Yeah. And then a week later. Will you welcome? <laughs> and then they're like, will you welcome yeah. back? Yeah. And that kind of set the tone yeah. for how they would, how they would uh, going forward, as we say, how they would manage the situation of singers. So after Ozzy came, of course, Ronnie, Ronnie James, James Dio. Dio. After Ronnie, and this is where it starts to get hilarious. Yeah, After Ronnie James Dio, there was. And let's, and let's, first of all, Ronnie leaves. Ronnie leaves, and the story behind Ronnie leaving that they tell everyone is that they're making a live album. Now, the, 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 the classic. Live evil. Live evil. And if you work it out, right? <laughs> evil is live spelled backwards. Or if you think about Lives, it, yeah. live is evil, evil spelled, spelled forwards. Backwards. <laughs> what, 
whatever. But it's the classic situation. But I think back in the day, someone explained this to me once in terms of Rush, because you would sign a, a record deal and you'd sometimes sign for three albums or four albums, maybe. It was the classic deal. But you do two studio albums and then to get that deal out the way and sign your next deal, which will be for more money, you do a live album. Double. A, contr a contractual live. And if it was a double, it counted as two albums, presumably, which is why there used to be so many live double albums, apart from the fact they were great and the, the, the fans loved them. So Sabbath, amazingly enough, are doing this live double album. Interesting you should say that because... Um, just as Sabbath, and we will return to this, just as Sabbath were doing their live double album for contractual reasons, Ozzy was also doing his live double album <laughs> for contractual, for contractual reasons. reasons. And uh, But why Ozzy's was more hilarious, apart from the fact everything about Ozzy is more hilarious than Black Sabbath, is that um, it, was, it was the dispute between Sh uh, Sharon Osbourne, she married him that year, and her father, Don Arden. Yeah. Don had managed Sabbath, and then when Ronnie split, oh, not Ronnie split, when Ozzy split, um, he he did not like the idea of Ronnie Dio replacing him. His idea was that Ronnie Dio should write in the studio with Iomi, but Ozzy should tour. These days, right. that would probably work. Yeah, yeah. But back then, it was ridiculous, you know. Um, so Ozzy does his first two solo albums, just as you described, both huge hits, but in the meantime, Don has formed his own label, Jet, and wants to have Ozzy on his label and manage him and do all these other things. And he didn't, he didn't consider that unreasonable. Or any kind of conflict of interest. Yeah. After all I've done for you. You, you, yeah. These days you call it 360 management. Yeah, yeah. Back then you called it, look, here is my yeah. gun yeah. up your hooter. Yeah. Sign, Sign here. here yeah. So Sharon who her brother David, Don, Sharon Don's daughter, who her brother David memorably described as Don in a skirt, yeah. um, thought, here's a jolly wheeze. We'll get out of our contract with my father by doing a double album. Don went along with it because, you know, the first two Aussie albums were mega multi-platinum hits in America. And he's like, this is going to be great. But she deliberately didn't, uh, at that show at the Ritz in New York, they didn't play any of Ozzy's solo songs. <laughs> they just did as oh, as, that's right. as, as Ozzy Sabbath, as it? Ozzy memorably put it, a load of old Sabbath shit. Um, of course, some, some great Sabbath songs, of course. But speak of the devil or talk of the devil, it was different. It was called different. I, I never worked that out. I really think the Americans wouldn't understand it if it was they, if it was speak. They, they say. Speak. Talk of the devil, and we yeah. say speak of the devil. Yeah, something. they would never have understood. No, they'd have gone, sp never speak, speak of, of the devil. devil. Oh, I'm not, not buying, buying that. It's talk, I'd buy it if it was called talk of the devil. Yeah, I'd, yeah. It, it, see, if it was, <laughs> they've got a new one out, and it's called talk. So I'm buying I'm, that. I'm getting that one. It's like use your illusion one and two. <laughs> what one are you going to get? Um, uh, yes, so. And, and Ronnie James Dio, the other thing we should mention quickly was, because this is still, it becomes less valid as this story goes on, but right now, Ronnie James Dio essentially rescues Black Sabbath. Him and Iomi write all these great songs together. Um, Bill Ward has already gone off in a heroin sulk. Um, he does come back because yeah. there was quite a well, lot yeah, of money I mean, inducing him yeah. to. Well, Vinnie Appice came in, didn't he? And, and played... Well, well, no, 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 John. What happened was um, when they first got together, Bill Ward didn't want any part of it because Ozzy was his true love. Geezer had some personal issues. And, and don't forget, he'd been the lyricist. So Ronnie James Dio and Tony Aomi wrote all these songs, again, in another way that kind of foretold the future. It was going to be an Aomi solo album. Right. Suddenly it's a Black Sabbath album. Suddenly, let's get Bill back. Let's get Tony yeah, back. Because right. in those days, yeah. credibility counted right. for yeah, more than now. Yeah, yeah. Because Bill, Bill, Bill's on heaven and hell, isn't he? Exactly. And their biggest hit since the heyday of Aussie five years before, um, and also for a certain your generation, really, John, tend to regard the Dio as the definitive. Well, the the, the first gig I ever saw, first heavy metal gig I ever saw, was uh, uh, Sabbath on the Heaven and Hill tour, nineteen eighty one. 
at the House of Odin. No, they came back. They did that. Oh, they did. That was February. February. Yeah, it was a sort of two-legged tour. You're right. You're right. You're right. I know because I was the PR on that tour. Oh, there you go. We didn't know. I I was a mere ticket buyer. Oh, you see. Um, And when Ronnie left, was fired, whatever you want to, mutually assured destruction, um, it was a real blow. I mean, not for Ronnie. He went on to even bigger and better things. But the story was, when they were making the double live evil that that the he ronnie was working during the day because he's a daylight hours type guy yeah he wasn't a cocaine monster is that what we're saying you like to go home at night have dinner and watch the baseball or whatever like normal people do you know whereas tony and the others were working at night and they their their claim was that um ronnie (laughs) during the day ronnie was turning the vocals up and then at night they go and turn them back down again. I think on the finished album was obviously the turned down version because this is like this, in the background you hear this little in the misty morning. <laughs> yeah, you're going, nah, nah, tiny little. He's like, it's heaven and hell. And full of kings and queens. That's what live music sounds like. His other great complaint about that album was that. That, that he's credited as just Ronnie Dio. Yeah, that was piss take. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, uh, is his, you know, his professional name, Ronnie James Dio. Ronnie James Dio featuring Ronnie James, Ronnie James Dio. Dio. That 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 glory would come later. That will come later. Well, he then thought, "Fuck this! I'm forming a band. It's being. It's going to be called Dio. Mm. There's no, there's no misinterpreting that. No, no, no. Um, and of course they, yeah. So, so Ronnie's gone. Ronnie's, Ronnie's gone. And who do gone. they bring in? But, but, but the other thing we should say is that Ozzy has survived the talk of the devil, speak of the devil fiasco, and he's still massive. Absolutely. So he's like this shadow looming. He's now bigger, in he's, fact, he's, than he's Sabbath. Big, yeah, he's bigger on his own than he ever was in the Sabbath, yeah. And also because he's being married, uh, managed by Sharon. Who's a, he, all joking so, aside, is a fantastic manager. And super astute, yeah. knows exactly where it's at right yeah. now as opposed to where it was at two years ago. Yeah. And suddenly Ozzy's touring America with uh, all this, these newcomers called Motley Crue. Yeah. And then the following year it was Rat opening yeah. for him. Yeah. And then you keep moving the dial and, and Metallica with a year after that yeah. and Megadeth. And then you get right up to the point where he's got Marilyn Manson. Yeah, well, and and, him, and Sharon know. starts Ozfest because because he didn't get on the bill of something. Lollapalooza. Like yeah, I'll start my own. Yeah, start my own festival. Um, yeah. uh, Jane's addiction guy. Oh, Perry Farrell, who started Lollapalooza. Yeah. Uh, Sharon said, to, you know, "How about Ozzy on Lollapalooza?" And he was like, "You know, he must be fucking joking. This is a, this is for fashionable, cutting edge kids, not old, yeah. boring old farts." Yeah. So being Sharon, she decided to prove him wrong. Let's and, put it and, that way. And turned out to be right. Turned yeah. out to be yeah. absolutely right. So, so, it, the so back, anyway, the they go there. of Iommi's next period is that Ozzy, his former singer, is tremendously successful. So who do they get in to steady the ship, take Sabbath to the next level? Ian Gillen. <laughs> Ian Gillen, who'd last been famous in America 10 years before with Deep Purple. And I believe the story was that Gillen went to the pub with Tony Omi, got bladdered in the the usual way, and woke up in Black Sabbath, essentially. Well, that that was Gillen's story. And I always believed it, right up to the moment when I read his autobiography, which... It is, I would say it is the worst autobiography I've ever read, except for the fact that Tony Iommi's is so much worse. worse. So much worse. Um, But look, we're going to get bogged down in this if we're not careful. So, so okay, Gillen's a big mistake, but but there were bigger ones to come. But but Gillen does do the classic Reading Rock with Stonehenge, which is a a Black Sabbath moment. (laughs) That that goes down in history. they, They close Reading Rock Festival. Um, they're the big headliners. It's the first real chance for the, the British fans to see Ian Gillen. This is 83, 84? Yeah, it must be yeah. about then. Yeah. Uh, r- around then. Born I, Again I, was the I, album. I, I was at this again as a fan. And uh, it w- all I remember was it was freezing cold. It was one of those summer 
days in England that you used to get where before global warming, <laughs> it was free and Reading was by the side of the River Thames. Oh yeah, it still is actually. Yeah, it was, yeah. and the, the in the morning the mist was the misty in. morning. I'm sure that's where Ronnie he must have done a gig. So it got colder and colder through the day. By the time Sabbath came on at sort of ten o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night or whatever it was, I mean it was dark by that point. Um, it was freezing. I remember it being freezing, and they come on. And they've got this Stonehenge monument, <laughs> and it's 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 the complete opposite to Spinal Tap, the film. It's enormous. enormous it's yeah. so big. They come on, and they've got all this dry ice, and Gillen hasn't learned the lyrics to no. any of the songs. No. I don't know what, why. Well, would, well, why would you learn? Who you know? Who needs to? Learn? So he's written them all in a book that he's got down by his foot. Because they're going to get no computer technology. No, no, nothing like that. No. This is a big, huge yeah. book. That he's going to turn the pages off with his foot. Great. Oh, yeah. yeah. What could possibly go wrong? A skilled professional. What could possibly In his element. So he, he, there's there with the dry ice at the start of the show, and he can't turn the pages off. <laughs> then they make a terrible album. Oh, they'd already made a terrible album. Born Again. Born Again. Was um, Born Again, just a, a, a brief aside, was Born Again a terrible album, or was it just a terrible album cover? Uh, well, it was terrible. As you were saying earlier, I disagree. Well, I. <laughs> I I always wondered whether Born Again was any good, and so about probably a year ago I played it, and it's terrible. Even it's Zero, Zero the Hero is the one that's stuck in my memory, and there's one called Trashed, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. How I, did that it's, go? it's really not. It's really not good. In Gillen's defence, because um, I, I, I he's someone else I used to do the PR for before Sabbath. Um, he was never good on the actuality yeah. of the lyrics. Yeah. So, and, and, and that is how he developed his vocal style. So, for instance, if you listen to Made in Japan, yeah. the live double album from 1972, which has about five tracks on it, because these are the days of jamming. Yeah. There's endless bits where, say, I'll say Smoke on the Water for argument's sake. Gillen's like, you know, we all went home. Because he could never remember the fucking yeah. lyrics. So he developed this kind of scatting thing. Yeah, that's it's a good idea. Uh, and, and Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden once told me that uh, Gillen had told him the same thing. And that Dickinson thought, just like, this is really useful because some of Iron Maiden's lyrics are so, they're yeah. like fucking yeah. encyclopedia. And Steve won't let him change them. Not a syllable, yeah, yeah. not a comma. Mother Russia, can yeah, you imagine? Yeah. So Dickinson's Mother like... Mother Russia, dance of the czars. Yeah, the czars came down. Yeah. Oh, can you hear a dog? Yeah. yeah. They brought Is that a dog? They down by the tremendous singing. That's what's encouraged them. So, anyway, so Gillen goes tits up, and they then just embark on this run that we're now going to try and go through. Right. Now, this is where it gets tricky. So, for me, Gillen and the band at this point have musical differences. Yeah. Nothing to do with the fact that Gillen, whose profile in America was lower than a snake's belly by the time he joined mm. Sabbath by accident. Yeah. One year later, the reformed Mark II lineup of Deep Purple announced. Oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah. And also, lest, lest we forget, Again, a Ronnie James Dio reference here. Rainbow with Ronnie James Dio were huge all over the world, especially Japan, Britain, Europe, whatever. Nothing in America. Each album sold less than the yeah, one before. Yeah. That's why Ronnie Dio ended up out of Rainbow, because mm. Blackmore couldn't understand why Foreigner and Boston were having all these hits and Long Live Rock and Roll got to number 89 in yeah. the chart, the album. Um, so no one in Deep Purple has any profile in 1984, except David Coverdale, and he's not invited to the party. So Gillen raises his own profile, and then Deep Purple reform. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that's how they looked at it. Cynicism about that. Yeah, and I'm not a cynical guy, as you know. Um, I take people as I find. All you're saying is the situation could be read that way. Yes. Were you a cynic? Yes. Which I'm not. No. Or you. Oh no! Sometimes. I'm stoic. Stoic. Yeah. I'm agnostic. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, so now, but this is where it gets tricky because actually, when Gillen leaves, uh, I think 
Yeah, Gillen leaves, whatever. And uh, and now Iomi, am I right in thinking he decides he's going to do a solo album? Well, hang on, I've got a memory now, and this could be this could be entirely wrong, as they often are. And I'm sure someone will give us a correction and clarification. But Iomi then in, employs a male model called David Donato. David Donato. Yeah, who's an American. Yeah. He looks fabulous in leather. They do a photo shoot. Leather trousers. Leather trousers. Wasn't it the cover of Kerrang! Yeah, magazine? Yeah, might, might well have been. He's all in leather. He looks great. He's a male model. David Donut. See, this him. is back in the day when there were models and there were male models. There were, for some but reason, this was a male model. For, he didn't have a yeah, beard. But, yeah, but for some reason, any, any bloke that was a model was a male model. All you right. had to distinguish, didn't you? Yeah, because if you just yeah. said he was a model, yeah, now that you was just go, confusing. Oh, so and so, have you have you met you know Dave? He's a model. That's fine. But back in the back in the day, back in the the kind of you know more binary days of the eighties, this is Dave. He's a male model. Yeah, he's amazing. He's a male model. You see, male model was on the way to male prostitute, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. it was in those days, it was, it was a way, way station. station. Yeah, yeah. You're clearly on your it way to... Leather, either... leather trousers on, you're a male model. Leather trousers down, <laughs> you're, a male prostitute. you're a male prostitute. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you are either on your way to be... If you're a male model... <laughs> in the morning, you're kind of halfway... <laughs> in the misty morning, who knows what you are. Hence, these well, days the you say he was a they. sometimes. But were you a male model back in the day? Yeah. You were either, you're only two things. You're either on your way to becoming a male prostitute. Yeah. Or you were a male prostitute on your way back. <laughs> back to becoming and on your way is a to, male model. They say, oh, yeah. uh, John Houghton, he's a male <laughs> model. And you go, oh, uh, okay. okay. I, model, I, get yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I, I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. David Donato, so did, he do any, did he actually do any singing? I don't think he did any singing. I don't think they made a record. He I just modelled. he did a photo. He was like the Savoy Brown guy. He well, no, the no. The Savoy maybe Brown Don guy Arden, probably... Maybe Don Arden misdials Tony Iommi at this stage. He goes, Tony, what you need to do, get Donald in the photo. No, what's his name? Donald! <laughs> David Donato in the photos. David get, Donald was his real David name. David Donald Donato in the photos. And get a proper singer on the road. <laughs> So why don't you give my mate a ring, Glenn Hughes? That's right. And, and But had they stuck with David Donato, they would have gone back to the group that Ozzy christened uh, Geezer Butler and the Three Italians. Oh, that's right, yes. Because, because yes. when Bill Ward finally, uh, shall we say, exits, yeah. exits light, exits, enters night. Exits stage left. Um, exits front of stage, flat on his face. Um, they got Vinnie Apici in. Yeah. And Ozzy used to joke about Geezer Butler. Have you seen Geezer Butler and the Three Italians? Yeah, They're yeah. great. But then, of course, Ian Gillen comes in. He's no not, Italian not connection, Italian, no. sadly. One of, his, one of his other failings. Falls. Have you seen Geezer and the Two Italians and Ian Gillen? <laughs> oh, don't forget. Actually, I know we're talking about singers. But Bev Bevan was in. Oh, yeah. So did you know, and this is a fact. This Bev is Bevan what we call. At Reading, I think, didn't he? This is a fact. Okay. You listening? Yeah. This is a fact. Yeah. <laughs> that when Gillen was in the group with Bev Bevan on drums, they would encore with Smoke on the Water. They did that already. They encore with Smoke on the Water. And then Paranoid. Yeah. But did you know? that they actually rehearsed Mr. Blue Sky as well. Wow, that would have been amazing if they'd done that. Especially Wouldn't it? if Gillen had started going on, rah, 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 <laughs> on the vocoder or whatever it was. Well, you wouldn't have even known, need to know the world words. No, you just go... As the fans streamed towards <laughs> the exit. <laughs> oh, there was going to end up with the Stonehenge thing. Mm. They, they ended up not fitting on any of the stages, didn't it? It was, it was the the inverse of the Spinal Tap joke. I, I, I ghosted Don Arden's memoir, oh, yeah. and he was forthright in his opinion. Yeah, of the state. And they chucked it in the He, he said, he goes, that cost me a fucking million dollars! Yeah. They ended up in a fucking river! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So anyway, let's not go back to Gibb, but mm, no. so uh, David Donato, David Donato, the male model, who can we just say for legal reasons, stage left. for legal reasons, was never a male <laughs> prostitute, as John suggested, but in fact a male model. He was a male model of the highest calibre. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't no, know. no, I know. I, I, but I just sad he didn't get to sing with them. Yeah, but he didn't. The second so, out of five singers they've yeah. had at this point <laughs> who didn't get did, to yeah. sing. So then they replace him with. Well, now this is the story, isn't it? Because Iommi at this stage says he's going to make a solo album. Yes, it was. It was to be a solo well, album. Well, that's what he says. This is the story, isn't it? I'm making a solo album. I'm going to ask some of my chums to sing on it. And the, the chum I'm going to ask is another former Deep, Deep Purple, Purple uh, inmate, call him what you will, Glenn Hughes. And another Midlander known, as well. Who's, who's, who, you know, who's never been known to just turn up on other people's albums, but he's going to turn <laughs> up on mine. Glenn uh, will sing for cash. Yeah. But the, but the important thing to say is Glenn can sing. Ah, now we're talking. Yeah, you know, he can really, really sing. He really can. Yeah. I mean, he, he it, it's, it is like a supernatural gift. I mean, no matter how badly Glenn tried to destroy himself yeah. and his voice, and he tried pretty, pretty good, the voice remains. Yeah. Always remains. Yeah, amazing singer. So this is a great combination. I mean, and Glenn Hughes make a record. That's allegedly going to be uh, Tony Iommi. Tony Iommi's seventh star or something. Was that's it. That's it. Seventh. But then what I heard was that Don, who was still managing Tony, was told by the record company and promoters that basically, yeah, we can put out a Tony Iommi solo album on a modest budget, uh, half the usual, quarter of the usual advance, and a bit of marketing, stick it out, see what happens. Or, if you were to call it Black Sabbath, you can add some zeros to everything we just said. Yeah. And the promoters were like, yeah, we can do us. You could do some clubs and theatres. and Or you could be Black Sabbath and do uh, the LA Forum and Madison Square Garden. Up to have you. a think Up about to it. You, yeah. Tony, have a think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this huge sack of cash here. Or there's one of those little... yeah. In, you know, in Robin Hood days, right. yeah, a thing full of yeah. gold coins. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. They used to keep on their belt. A purse. Yeah, a purse, yeah. Here's yeah. your purse, my yeah. man, or here's your Santa Claus sack. Yeah. And he chose, as a man of integrity, he chose... He, he, he chose the Santa Claus. But he, when I read Tony Omi's autobiography, which, as we've said, is one of the worst books ever published... It must have taken about an hour to yeah, Iomi comes across. I mean, I'm sure this is his ghostwriter rather than Iomi. He comes across as so glib as to be um, almost vacuous, and that he he would, you know. Oh, so I made this great record with uh, solo record with Glenn Hughes, but then someone rang me and told me it had to be Black Sabbath, so it was Black Sabbath. <laughs> That's how it's dealt with essentially. <laughs> in the but then Tony, I, I, just a brief aside. Uh, we don't do many of these, but Tony Iomi's ghostwriter. I don't know if he was Norwegian or something, but English is his second language. So you've got this guy from the Netherlands or somewhere yeah. like that, you know, Scandinavia, yeah. who's just this big Sabbath fan, and, yeah. has never written any books in his life yeah. or since, I don't think. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and he somehow becomes Tony's ghostwriter. Yeah. Because there, there are all these bits about, like... He doesn't um, speak English, this guy. Tony, I mean, Except for uh, the second language. Well, I met so I met this woman. She was a lovely woman. We got married, <laughs> and then, like you know, fifty pages later, you hear. Well, anyway, uh, Cheryl and me was over. <laughs> I met this lovely woman, and I got. And it's like it's just this. I, I it's an indescribably bad but compelling book. Whole chunks are like a page and a half. It, it, it's yeah. full of chapters that are like two pages yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they're containing about 10 years' worth of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and tell you nothing. <laughs> Absolutely it, nothing. Yeah, it, in a language that isn't is, your spoken yeah, tongue. Yeah. So. And also, uh, the other thing to say is if you, if you have ever interviewed Tony, I mean, obviously you've interviewed him lots and lots of times. I think I ever interviewed him about twice. But, you know, he keeps it short, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> keeps it short when I did their PR 
1980 on the Heaven and Hell tour. Uh, we went all over Europe, Britain. They were the first band to take me to America. And when I got back, I, I quit to become a dishwasher in a burger <laughs> restaurant because that was more fun than yeah. doing PR for Sabbath at that point. Yeah. And I used to joke and say, Tony Iommi only ever said two words to me in the whole time I worked with him. And they were, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is only yeah. a slight exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. He just didn't speak. Yeah. Which the one time that worked to their advantage, and I found this out when I interviewed him the first time, which was in Birmingham. They were rehearsing. For, it was probably about the time of the guy we're going to talk about next, their next singer after Glenn Hughes. They're rehearsing, got this huge warehouse, you know, where they're doing the rehearsals or whatever. I interviewed Tony Ami. And uh, so I, I had to, I can't remember what Jeff Barton probably said, find out about this, you know, asking about the devil worship or whatever. Maybe it was the time Dave Dixon had done he was something saying, or other. Yeah. And he, he goes, uh, Oh, we never, we never talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a brilliant line because it just, it just implied, yeah, that, a lot. That, yeah, that oh, it's so terrible. But in actual fact, it just, it was just all bollocks, you know. But it, oh, we, we no. never, I can't talk about. No, that. I've yeah. taken the sacred yeah. vow of <laughs> Valhalla, uh, which I always remember. And it was very funny. So, um, Glenn Hughes goes on tour, and did they go on tour? I mean, I, the album was great, but it didn't really take off. Is that fair to it say? It didn't really sound like a Sabbath album. No. I mean, okay, it's got Iomi. Yeah. It's got a fantastic vocalist. But there were but more it was sort very of ballads. Much, and it very much was a solo record. He didn't write yeah. it as a Sabbath in, in his Sabbath It was mindset. kind of the Chinese democracy of yeah. its day, except yeah. done way quicker and cost far less. <laughs> yeah. And... Have, and, and yeah. Didn't get noticed. See, that's at all. the amazing thing about Iommi is his sheer fecundity. I mean, he just was prolific, astonishingly prolific. If he had put that out as a solo album, it would have got great critical acclaim and not really sold any less copies. Yeah, than it did. yeah. And then if he'd come back with a Sabbath album, yeah, if his head had been Actually, all right. That would have been the way to go. It would have been very good. Yeah. But at this point, they they um they start to tour, and. A guy called Doug Goldstein comes into the picture because Glenn was so out of control that they hired this they guy. They it's like that bit in Pulp Fiction when they call Harvey Keitel. <laughs> <laughs> in the music business, you called Doug Goldstein. You did, the yeah. wolf. Yeah, yeah. And Doug told me this. Um, he said that the first, he met Glenn wherever they were playing in America. He drove to the hotel. He said as he got to the hotel, there's a big crowd outside. Like something's going on. What's happened? Has there been an act, a shooting, an accident? You know, <laughs> a shooting. Yeah, well, you don't know, do you? And and he pushes his way through the crowd, and lying stark naked on the ground is Glenn Hughes, <laughs> who's been up for about five years yeah. without yeah. sleep. Every yeah. drug known to humanity. <laughs> He's completely naked. Lying flat on his back in the street outside the hotel, and and Doug told me he went up and he said. Uh, Mr. Hughes. And apparently, Glenn looked at him and said, yes, what can I do for you? <laughs> and he said, well, Mr. Hughes, I'm here to tell you I'm your new personal assistant. And apparently, Glenn said, oh, thank you. Could you hold up? He said, could you, uh, could you? Uh, <laughs> Give me a hand. And I was like, no, fuck you. You got yourself here. You get yourself out. Uh, and uh, checked in. Ah, <laughs> uh, good old Doug. Yeah, he, he was the Listen, man. Doug was the man. He Doug was, was the, the guy man. that used to carry, because Doug then a few years later went yeah. to work for Guns N' Roses. He was the guy that used to carry Slash into hotels on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said his Slash would be pissing himself. Oh, I, remember, I just I remember Alan Niven saying the he, the original he, manager, the original of, manager Guns of, of, of Guns N' Roses who who worked with that was whenever it got like re really terrible. His ultimate backup plan was he would get Doug Goldstein to take whichever errant member of Guns N' Roses it was to Hawaii. Yeah. They just put them on a plane to Hawaii because they could, it's contained, you can contain it. Yeah. You know, that's what you have to do. They can't go anywhere once they're there. Yeah, I'm about, to, I was, we're kind of siding here because there's so many funny stories we can tell about uh, Doug Goldstein's yeah. years with Guns N' Roses. Oh, God. That should Doug, be by the way, if you're listening, I know you still hate me. I don't, I tr still don't really know why, but. I love you. Oh, stop it. Um, now, listen, we're, we're using up a lot of time here, and we've only mentioned one band with new <laughs> well, singers. We, well, we had about 20. I, th I think we should do this in two parts. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, about fucking ten parts the way we're going. But so let, let, let's skip through the next bit. So who who follows Glenn Hughes? So then then they get the man really has a cult following amongst Sabbath fans, I think, which is Tony the Cat Martin. Okay, before or do we they get, get someone in between? Before we get to the cat, is there someone else? Hmm. I don't know. So it gets messy. I think the cat. I think the cat's the next the one. The cat. The cat. And I mean, he's called the cat. You know what? Because he's, he's slinky. Yeah, he's slinky. He, but he's kind of, he's sort of a version of several of the singers they've had before. He's a little bit Glenn. Yeah. A is. little bit Dio. Yeah. I'm not sure about the Aussie. No, he's not the Aussie. Apart from he, being a middle. But he's a little bit kind of David Donato as well. And that he looks good in the leather. You know, he looks kind of cool. Like a male model. Like, a, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but he wore the cross, you know, he had the cross on. And didn't he used to wear a cross, hat? The cross on. <laughs> he, had, he had a cross around his he'd, neck. He'd previously been in a French, in a to, French no, tribute band to the Sabbath. And he would wear a croissant. A croissant. He used to work in Greg's. And they, <laughs> they found him. He did not. <laughs> I don't did know. he? I don't know. Did you want a fucking sausage roll? <laughs> yeah. Are you paranoid? Or yeah. did you want a pasty? Yeah. I don't know where that accent's going. It's not the Midlands, is it? I don't know. I don't, no, know. I don't know where the cat's from. I've got a well, he's from the Midlands. Is he? Okay, good. I think, yeah. I think he, in my head he is, but yeah, I don't yeah. know that's right. I'll I, I, I I tell you what, I'll tell you what. Great singer. Yeah, no, really good singer. And they do the, the Headless Cross album, don't they? The Which Headless Croissant, as it was known in France. Ironic, considering, you know, the cat's got a non-headless cross around his neck. But um, yeah, they, which is uh, what's hang on, hang on. What's a non-headless cross? Well, I don't know what a headless cross is. It doesn't make sense. It wouldn't be a cross. It, it doesn't actually make sense. If I was a computer right now, there'd be it's smoke steam coming out. Coming out there'd be smoke on the Because my processors are, are struggling out. with yeah, this. Yeah. We don't know what a headless cross is. No one knows what a headless cross is. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's like... You know, look, yeah, you, but I, yeah, but it sounds you, great. You, know, you mentioned use your illusion. It's meaningless. It's just three words put together, but they sound quite good. <laughs> like, headless cross. It's like that thing where you... You know, they go on Twitter and say... Make up your porn name by using <laughs> your last pet plus your mother's maiden name. Or something, you know, the last times, the last film. It's like that. I've never seen that. Name job. your what, heavy. What, what Twitter name, accounts do you follow? Name your heavy metal album. In this pile, there's a load of words like headless, death, car. You know, um, I don't know, devil, democracy. <laughs> In this pile, there's a load of words like cross, grave. Um, Satan, Storm, and you just pick one out. Evil one, yeah. slash live, That's or you could reverse it. Yeah, Which you could you flip it. You could, depending how your head. Lies. It could be like a mirror you, image. Have you worked out whether "live" is evil spelled backwards yet? You still hasn't. You still can't do it. So <laughs> you pick one from this pile and one from that pile. Yes. And headless cross comes out. Yeah. Headless yeah. cross, but it doesn't mean anything. No. Well, no, no, it means something to me. It does because the kids, the cat then. The well, cat, you see, the cat what, interprets. This is what great it. singers do. They go, and find the headless cross. <laughs> and you think, yeah, I could find a headless cross. Yeah. I could do yeah. that. What were some of his other big ones? I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the people love that album. I quite often go, if I'm on social media or something, I'll stumble across. One of our old chums, our old, you know, heavy metal chums, Dave Ling and so on. Um, Tim McMillan, who we mentioned last time, and all those guys who are very funny. And they, you know, they... Are will, they? And, and, well, they are. They are. are and they? they also know a hell of a lot more about heavy metal. Than do they? They do. Do they? They do. do, they? They do. And, do they? and they will say, oh, no, hang on, if you, you, this album is beloved of the fans. And I think it is. I think it's one of those Sabbath albums that's in the underrated pile. Yes, uh, there, there was another guy, um, and I forget who told me this. I think it was an old Sabbath tour manager, um, and he said they're in. A, uh, this is because Geezer left to join Ozzy's band. He came back. There's all this kind of stuff going on. Uh, Vinnie Apici left to be in Dio's band. Hence yes, Bev Bevan yes. and 
later Cozy Powell. At one point, Sabbath had yeah. Neil Murray on bass. Well, they were like they were like White Snake. I mean, they were sort of interchangeable. Well, they were full of ex White Snake members, yeah. weren't they? And Neil White Murray. Snake, White Snake were full of ex everywhere. Deep Purple yeah. and Rainbow. And, yeah. Um, no, uh, there was Neil Murray on bass, Cozy Powell on drums, Don Airy on keyboards. Don did, yeah, yeah. Well, they also and they had that guy Jeff Nichols as well, didn't they? Do you remember him? I really do remember <laughs> Nick him. Raises his he eyes. So fucking useless. <laughs> yeah, but how I, good do you have to be to play keyboards for Black Sabbath? I tell you what, better than him. I, I, uh, on tour, I was played because they would record it every night from the mixing desk, and and they would we would be laughing, me and the roadies listening to Jeff Nichols's parts. Oh, because it's on the desk, so you yeah, can literally hear every the, instrument. I don't blame and him because he used to have to stand at the side of the stage. Well, he was in the wings yeah, to begin with. Yeah, that's right, in the wings. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. And Sabbath were deafening at the time. I mean, you couldn't hear any. It was like... But, uh, yeah, but the thing is, how much keyboards do you well, need? I don't know. So I don't know why they had a keyboard. They're part. doing Paranoid, right? Dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, on the keyboard, you could hear... Dinky, 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 because yeah, he's always the last to come down, yeah. and he'd be in, in the lift with him would be Jeff Nichols, and whatever Tony was wearing, Jeff would be wearing. Yeah, it. yeah. The only difference was was Jeff always wore either a Black Sabbath T-shirt or a Black Sabbath tour jacket. So people, would so people, know. I'm in Black <laughs> Sabbath too. Don't forget me. He kept his pass around his neck. He yeah. did. He yeah. did. He really yeah. did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do know. I understand. I mean, I think it's worth saying that. You know, you're saying everyone waited for Amy. People always, because of Ozzy's fame, sort of see Sabbath as Ozzy's band. But, no, it's definitely you know, Tony's. Tony is the... He, always. The absolute alpha male in Black Sabbath. And what was his nickname in Black Sabbath when I worked for them? I don't know. I didn't work. Darth Vader. Oh, <laughs> and he fucking was. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere between Darth Vader and Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. Know? Somewhere on that spectrum. And I was told that before... Um, before or after the cat, around that period, the cat period, um, there was a guy in America sent in a cassette, and it was amazing. And they went, fucking, I've got to get this guy here. So Iomi and Giza call this guy, and they're like, listen, we love the tape. And he's like, oh, wow, man. Another American guy, thanks. You know, <laughs> can, when can you get to L.A., you know, to, to do the audition? He's like, tomorrow. They're like, right, they sent him first-class tickets, he flies in, put him up at the Sunset Marquee in LA, get to the audition. Oh, it's good to see you, man. Fucking love that stuff. And he starts to sing, and he's like the worst singer <laughs> you've ever heard. And they're looking at each other going, what the fuck's going yeah. What is it? Maybe he's got a bad throat or something. Yeah. You know? And after a couple of numbers, they're like, all right, mate. Um, we're a little puzzled here. And uh, they said, you don't really sound anything like you did on the tape. And he's like, which side of the tape did you play? <laughs> it turned out no. they'd played the wrong side no. of the cassette. They played the side that had heaven and hell on. <laughs> I just recorded that for the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was one of those. And then on the other side That's where amazing. he was singing, it was like, terrible. He was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So that was another marvellous development. Should we, because we know that later on Dio comes back in and they get back with Ozzy and all of that. Maybe we should conclude the Sabbath element of this. Yeah. Um, with, the, with the singer that never was, but some people still think was. Who's you know that? who I'm going to say now? Tom Jones. Oh, of course, of course. Sorry, I did think of that earlier and then yeah. got, I got so excited about the cat years. Yeah, the cat, yeah. about Headless Cross. Yeah. yeah, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Catless. Oh, no, because no, the cat was there. Yeah, the, no, yeah, it can't be catless. So, April the 1st, 1987? Oh. No, because no, I, well, I started the Kerrang in 87. Oh, so yeah. It's been 88. Um, Kerrang happened to be, Kerrang was a weekly, but I think this particular week, the actual date on the cover, cover was, April was April 1st. April 1st, yeah. And so, one of the young whippersnappers in the office, who shall remain nameless, 
John. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, you have to give credit where it's due. <laughs> Jeff Barton came up with the idea. Did he? Yeah, he did. And he came up to me and said, uh, you know, April the first cover day. Yeah, let's do an let's do a, uh, an April Fool, and uh, you know, let's say Tom Jones has joined Black Sabbath, um, and you wrote the story. Well, didn't and you? I wrote the story, but the thing was, it was to kind of set. This, I mean, now I suppose people think about Tom Jones when he's on The Voice. And yeah, yeah. Back in the day, he this is eighty seven, eighty eight. It was before he'd come back and had the hits with Kiss. You know, when he came back and did Sex Bomb and Kiss and. So he was still kind of Vegas Tom at that point. Right, Still right. famous, but not... And the fact Sabbath had had so many singers, and the fact Tom Jones was Welsh, you know, it just had just the Enough faintest glimmer of plausibility. Because by this point, Sabbath's situation with was singers so was so dark. ludicrous. Yeah, they'd had so many people, and, you know, Gillen had gone completely wrong, and they'd say David Donato, Donato had gone completely wrong, the cat, and it had just all gone tits up, whatever. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think the cat was like in maybe it. not even happened yeah. yet. But so I went home that night, and I remember doing. It. I remember sitting at home, and what am I going to write? And I just came up with this ridiculous idea that we would have the because I was trying to think of something that would have to do with whales. So I thought of mining, as you did back in the day, because that was all that Wales was ever. Famous still is. For. Let's still be fair. Is. And I thought mining the Minotaur, <laughs> you know, the, the mythical beast. So we came up with this idea that. They'd made an album called The Minotaur. Because <laughs> it kind of sounded Sabbathy, you know. The oh, Minotaur. absolutely. And that Tom and. Cometh so it, the and Minotaur. It was, it was sort of based a bit on the fact Dylan had got pissed and joined the band. So it was like Tony, I, I got drinking with, with, <laughs> with Tom and we we ended up rehearsing and it was so good. And the idea was, and a credit also to Crusher Jewel who came up with this the fake stage design for it. Because they had this idea that the. They'd come on stage and it would be like, it would be dark. It would be like a mine. And then they'd come on with those helmets on that had the, the light torch on. The torch on the helmet. The torch on the helmet. There'd be all these so roadies would, yeah, in the gantry yeah, so with these helmets on. And then the first thing you'd see is the helmets coming out from backstage. <laughs> and then Tom would come out and the, he said, we do all this. And then the, 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 the on-car, on-cars are paranoid and it's not unusual. <laughs> It was a three. It was a three liner. That's, I mean, a, I a I'm line, still actually. laughing about it all yeah. these years later. You said, and for encores, they would be doing yeah. Iron Man, yeah, Paranoid, Paranoid yeah. and it's yeah. not unusual. Which again was based again was based on the fact they'd done smoke, smoke on, on the, the water and Mr. Blues. Yeah, almost Mr. Blues. So we do this ludicrous story, and I remember it, it made the newspapers. Well, didn't it? it was before. Um, I'd, I would become particularly seasoned as a writer. Or anything. I used to be incredibly precious about every single word, you know. And Jeff did this quite clever thing where he got the copy and he uh, we used to do things called drop caps, which were where you'd make a break in the text and you start a new paragraph and it would have a big letter at the start of the first word and that was called a drop cap. And he made the drop caps spell out J-O-K-E. Ah. But obviously, I hadn't written it with that in mind. So he had to insert these words into the text. And the first word he put, instead of putting something, you know, quite, so he put jeepers. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was the first word of the story. <laughs> jeepers. Tom Jones has joined Black Sabbath. And I put something like, I can hardly believe I'm writing these words. You know, I was trying to do it all like, you know. But anyway, so I, I remember that. And yeah, then the story came out and it just... People believed it. Well, the funny thing was, I always remember Ozzy yeah. saying yeah. he had read it. Yeah. And he fell off his chair laughing. Yeah. He literally fell off. Brilliantly, he was sitting by the pool at the Sunset Marquee. <laughs> and apparently he couldn't catch his breath. He was laughing so hard. So I think he, I think it was our mutual photographer friend. Oh, I told you. Have a look at that. Yeah. yeah. But it, the weird thing is, is now you get into the, 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 sort of the dark depths of the internet and it's still, you still sometimes see it repeated. Like, did it happen or was it a joke? You know, it's got to that point where, you know, obviously it was a very long time ago and it's that thing of people kind of remember <laughs> it and they sort of, well, was it real or was it, you know? Well, I stole that idea for Classic Rock magazine um, so if that was 88, this must have been 2001, and um, it, it, uh, April. It's an, it's an issue with April yeah. the 1st written on the cover. And 2001 um, was just before Velvet Revolver. We didn't know Velvet Revolver was coming, but everybody knew Axel was mental. 
And um, they'd known that a long time at this point. And um, we did a, a big story in the news pages. So we did it in the news because Classic Rock magazine, Kerrang! was a weekly, Classic Rock the monthly, so quite a yeah. lot, big, chunky news yeah. section. And we did it as a, the lead, you know, exciting, um, here's the main news. And it was that Robbie Williams had joined Guns N' Roses to replace yeah. Axel. Yeah. And because uh, Slash was born in uh, Stoke-on-Trent... Oh, oh, yeah, so was Robbie, yeah. yeah. We, had this, we had this whole story about how the two of them had met at a Port Vale football match. Because <laughs> they're both yeah. Port Vale fans. And, uh, and we did the same thing. You know, the encores would be, you know, uh, uh, welcomed... Uh, what would the uncles be for guns? Sweet Par child of mine. Sweet child of mine, Paradise City and Angels. Yeah. <laughs> that would be quite good. <laughs> I would watch that. Well, we that. did kind of I think, would watch that. Yeah. Well, back then, Robbie was... Yeah. was he, he could he sell was it. Well, he'd done the video where he dressed up as Kiss, didn't he? There was one of his and videos. also there was talk of him uh, replacing Freddie and Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of out there yeah. somewhere. So we did this, tee hee, tee hee. Um, we were on BBC News... Uh, newspapers, people ringing us from all over the world. Yeah. And we'd even done one of those pictures where we'd taken Robbie's face and stuck it on a picture of Axel. Yeah. yeah. And we made it deliberately really shit. So you could <laughs> tell it was hand cut and glued yeah, on. Yeah. And people still, still yeah. bought it. Yeah. Because Guns N' Roses was so intensely yeah. dysfunctional. Yeah, it could have happened. And I think Sabbath were at that same time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, listen, John. We're going to end there. We, I, I thought we were going to mention about 20 bands. Well, in we're going center. to mention them in the next one. We're going to mention them in the next one. So whatever you're doing for the next two weeks... Stay tuned. Stay tuned! Don't touch that dial. And remember... Oh, I, don't know. I was leaving that for you. Remember... Oh, remember. Come back. Remember to come back. Remember to come back. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> if you liked this episode... Be sure to leave us a review, share it with a friend, or plain old subscribe wherever you happen to listen to it. For full episode show notes, visit nofilter.media forward slash get your rocks off. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want.